Welcome to Raw the Podcast with Amy and Grecian, where we talk real and raw with mamas who have had to fight and be fierce, who have been thrown curveballs and faced adversity. We discuss everything from premature birth and NICU life, special needs and infant loss, to those everyday mum life struggles we all feel. Nothing is off topic. We hope that by opening up and being vulnerable, we can break down the walls and start to remove some of the shame and stigma associated with these traumatic experiences while helping other mamas feel less alone. I'm Amy, special needs and medical mama to Premier Boys James and Jack. I'm the founder of my own small business and support network, Miracle Mama, where I advocate fiercely for the infertility, Premier and special needs community. And I'm Grecian, mama of four girls, including two full-termers, Adeline and Macy, and a set of Premier twins, Hannah and Riley, born at 25 weeks. I'm an IVF warrior and am passionate about sharing the unfiltered ups and downs of motherhood. We don't share your average mama stories, and this isn't your average podcast. Raw is unrefined and breaks through the bullshit of navigating guilt, grief, and trauma. I mean, let's be honest, we've been through more shit than some could even imagine, so at this point we don't really have a filter. But with this being said, please note we do talk about sensitive topics in our episodes, which we know can be distressing. We give this warning simply to empower you, our audience, with the knowledge you need to make healthy decisions about how and if you should consume this podcast content. Please take care of yourselves and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. And lastly, let us assure you that it's not all bad and sad. It's a place to have real and raw conversations. Ask those questions that may be playing on your mind. And above all, we hope to shine a light on the life-changing perspective and appreciation that only these experiences can give you. We share the overwhelming joys and triumphs that our little miracles bring to our lives. And we discuss the inspiration and hope we have gained from this community. While our experiences are individually unique, we are forever a part of something truly special, a community of fierce mama bears and their cubs navigating the storm, and together we'll roar. Hey, roarers, and welcome back. It's Grecian here. As you guys know, it's been a few huge weeks for Amy and I, with both Riley and Jack having extended hospital stays. We are so thankful for all the love and support through socials that our community have sent us. These messages literally brighten our day. Now, today's episode, it is part two of Raw Real Talk. So let's get straight into it, where we left off last week. Hope you enjoy. So moving on to more sensory seeking Things that Riley does. Oh, this I don't even know where to start. There's a lot, isn't there? Yeah. There's a lot. And it's I don't I feel like she's always done it, always done these things, but we're more aware of it mm. now. And you're looking out for it because you're wanna, we're watching yeah. out for it. Yeah. We have Reporting to film it. it. We yep. like our exactly, we have to keep those records um to prove that she does these things because when she's in appointments she masks it mm. she sits there perfectly does what they say um like our OT assessment for the upper hand hand and limb assessment she sat in there perfectly did everything um and they were watching outside I don't know if I've said this they were watching and when we left and she just completely changed oh, really as soon as she was out the door she completely changed wow. and they but they were watching so it was yeah. really good that they were watching after um because she obviously she bites she hits herself she started flapping now as well yeah. we've noticed yeah. um she likes the swing which all kids like the swing um and it's a really good regulating activity to do but she really likes it she will mouth anything and everything 
Yeah, well, that that's really interesting to me. Is that just like a sensory seeking to sort of regulate herself? I think so. I think so. so. Um, Like literally just before we jumped on here, she had one of the toy animal figurines, like a snake. She had bitten off, she chewed off the end of the tail and comes up to me with it and is like, mum, I'm like, why? Why did you do that? Why were you chewing on the snake? Like. But she's always she's got to have that in her mouth, something in her mouth. Yeah, it's like kids that you, like chew on their um, sleeve. sleeve. Yep, yep. So Riley, she's on her up here collar. Yep. So it's just sensory trying to regulate themselves. Almost like do you think some of it's a bit of a, a safety thing too? I think I so. But yeah, like potentially a comfort to her, a comfort. Um, she has to always be doing something. Like in the car as well, I filmed a few times where she's just got to be moving. So she's just shaking her head side to side or flicking her tongue as well mm. lately. She'll just sit there flicking her tongue or moving her hands. Um, she's just – and got to yeah. touch everything. So like I've said before, she like will lick the basketball court at school. She'll lick the road. She'll literally – when we're out, she has to touch everything she goes past, I think, because she yeah. needs to know where she is in her environment. In her surroundings. So is this sort of the same as what you call stimming? Do you, would you yeah. put these in the same basket? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Again, I'm no pro at this. I yeah. am learning as we go. Um, yeah, well, it's all very new. Yeah. It is so I mean, new. it's been going on for a long time, but you're learning, you're new to learning about new it. New to learning yeah. about it and yeah. understanding it. Yeah. So um, the repetitive stimming is the repetitive behavior. So she does a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and she, I noticed as well, she likes to hum and make noise. Yeah. Mm. Like in terms of the the mouthing and the chewing, that's kind of like obviously what a teething baby does. Yeah, what a baby would do. What Macy does. Did she, did she or has she always just done that? Yeah. Did or she always never grow out it. of it? No, never grow out of it. Whereas Hannah has grown out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's hard because I think I said it in Justin's podcast as well that we thought we'd be buying baby toys that light up. Yeah, she yeah, loves that yeah. light sound. Yeah. She always wants to be right up to the TV. She has it right up to her ears. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's what Macy very does. much, yeah, the sensory seek, like they say, it's the sensory out. Yeah. Whereas I know there can be like, uh, Jack had a proper sensory assessment done. Mm. Um, I don't remember huge amounts about the actual assessment. I do have the notes here from his results that I'll read mm. out in a minute, but um. I know that they, they put them into categories. So there was like seeking or avoiding. So there's like when they're mm-hmm. avoiding certain sensory input as well. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it sounds like she's very much a seeking, you know. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's always something up to her face. Like. Um, yeah. And like she needs that, like you said, the stimming that needs that stimulation. Yeah. And is that kind of they've linking that to the more autism side of things we're yeah we're still still on the fence about that obviously she hasn't got a diagnosis but that's that's what I think is going on and these are some some red flags that they yeah red flags that even the neurologist was watching her the other week and he was like yeah there's definitely some signs there yeah yeah and do they so you want a wait list for the assessment yep but again because do they do them? They can do them at this age now, can't they? I know that they, they can. Certain age groups, they can't. 
They can, but the wait is like 18 months to two years to be able to get the assessment done if you go publicly. So another thing thinking of going private, but then big, big cost. Yeah, it's just crazy. So, but if you get that diagnosis, then you get access to more funding through the NDIS. You get it sooner and you get the support sooner. Yeah, things that can help you to manage it, yeah. You get the therapy sooner to help support that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I found a post um, on Instagram from the OT mama of twins about a little girl. It's got on there saying, hi, I'm a sensory seeker. And it's got a huge list of things that I found Riley was doing. So I like to roughhouse with my friends. I may accidentally hurt them. I like to spin in circles and be upside down. I like smelling people and things. I like to eat bold flavors and crunchy foods. So for Riley, that's more obviously eat anything, lick anything. Mm-hmm. Um that she fidgets and likes to touch things, that she likes to stand close to the TV and toys with flickering lights. Mm. That was definitely a big one. And yeah. chewing on my straw, toothbrush, shirt sleeves, yeah. anything she so would chew on the anything. Shirt sleeves. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's one on there that's Jack to a T. I like the feeling when I stomp my feet loudly. <laughs> Going back to his sort of assessment. And I remember one of them was um, he responds like way more than others in his age group to loud noises and sounds like he just loves them um and then there's the big he's very much the same with touch like I said to he was very much a crash bang trampoline rolling throwing himself around hurting himself um but then it's also he goes he's his assessment shows he can go the other way and he misses cues more sensory cues than Mm. other toddlers which I didn't understand I didn't this was 18 months ago and I still don't understand half of it Mm. he's only mildly he doesn't have a sensory processing disorder he's just they just said he's got sensory processing difficulties um and that if you know in another couple of years he's still 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 struggling then then they might look at a proper diagnosis but yeah that's one of the big reasons we still see OT and there are sort of things that we do there but I think a lot of it is you know the typical sensory play um giving them a lot of sensory input where you can that works for them yeah so with Jack and his sensory stuff I used to describe them as his quirks um but now Mm. I realize that there's actually something more to them but um again these can be things that are typical to a lot of toddlers but for him they're to the extreme so he won't wear jumpers with buttons or a zip or a hood it has to be a just a plain Round collar jumper, yeah. Um, yep. He constantly wants his pant legs pulled down. So if there's even like if they're up the tiniest bit, like in the car seat, mm-hmm. he's constantly telling me to pull his pant legs down. Um, I'm like, mate, they're touching your shoes. <laughs> they can't go any lower. Um, things like having buckles or straps too tight in the car, which again is funny because mm-hmm. he likes that. He likes that touch, but things like that mm-hmm. where they're too constricting, too much. Yeah, he's it's fine line I guess um it's really interesting yeah though. and you know your ties on your pants like that kids have that mm. tighten your pants he can't they cannot be hanging out and he has to tuck them in um oh. like he to the point where he will go into a full sweat if they're hanging out oh. yeah it's a lot um he obsesses over things like loose threads on his clothes they have to be cut off um and he's just very much a this is very typical um of sensory stuff sensory difficulties is can't have anything on his hands so can't have yeah like if it's anything stuck to him he can't have if a bit of yoga gets on his hands he's he literally yep. spends his day 
pulling wipes out of our things, wiping his hands, wiping his face, wiping the surfaces. Like if there's yep. crumbs on his table, nah, can't happen. Yeah, which isn't too bad, I guess, for which, me. I was going to say, which not not a <laughs> not a bad not one that to have, bad, really. Um, but it, it, yeah, in the other sense, it's like it can cause really overwhelming stress for him, anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which they shouldn't have at that age which again I thought at the start was really cute but then it's it's still here and it's more and it's consistent yeah yeah yes all right I wanted I do want to go quickly back to sort of the emotional regulation we talked about and then um what we called like the outbursts or the meltdowns there was something that um the therapist parent said you'll find them on instagram um she said, they aren't doing it to annoy us. They are doing the best they can. All of these behaviours are exactly what our children should be doing for their development. So that's like what I was saying about trying to understand that they're not being naughty. I remember, I've, I think I've said mm. that in a previous podcast about him trying to run on the road, calling it yep. naughty. And I wanted to slap myself um, for saying that because it's not. Yeah, um, they're not being naughty. No, and they're not doing it to be disruptive or out of control. They just don't know how or when to stop. Um, or how yep. else to express themselves, yeah, yeah, and get that point across, yeah. And like that, um, just keep stimming on Instagram. Said meltdowns are never over nothing. Yeah, yeah, which is like I think most of us know it. There's usually an underlying reason, but in that moment, you're just it's so frustrating. You're like, what the fuck yes. is going on with you? Like, literally, and most of the time, it's something so. St- simple that you just lose your mind because you're like how can you be so angry over mm-hmm. that bit of bread that tiny little thing hasn't got butter on it <laughs> yep but for them it's it's it's, it's, it's everything. everything yeah yeah and it's probably not just that piece of bread that doesn't have butter on it it's probably multiple other things that have pissed them off that they yep, can't that, express yep. and it's all coming out because of that yep. yeah and then it's trying to regulate yourself though um, that's what we're trying to learn as well as trying to regulate them through these meltdowns that they have no idea what's going on and to them it is something huge but to us we're scratching our head so it's all a big learning journey for everyone all right let's talk about poo yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about poo <laughs> Let's talk about poo. Do you know how many people want to talk about poo? So many people want to hear about poo. Yeah, about hear about poo. I don't know. Well, there's so many struggles with poo, in, especially with kids like ours. Like everyone, yeah. the, the reason people want to talk about poo is because it's so common, but no one bloody talks about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell us about mm-hmm. Riley and poo. Oh, where do I start again? Where do I start? Um, so she's obviously still in nappies for both we and poo. Um, she hasn't, I don't think she's ever done a poo on the potty or in the toilet. Um, but she tends to hold on to her poo. So she doesn't want to let it out. So we are on Movacol, Ducalax drops. We have gotten to the point with our continence nurse that we are using Microlax, mm. so the enemas as well, to stimulate, and she hates it. She does not like it. We have to hold her down to put it in there, but she needs to poo. Um, so, again, a vicious circle that she doesn't drink enough water. 
So she can't poo her poo and then we need to help her. And her CP, does that play a part with gut movement? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So because everything, her low tone everywhere um, with her swallow, so just Mm. the whole intest, what do you call it? Intestinal, I can't even, what do you call it? The digestive system. Digestive. That's it. How sad is that? I don't even remember the digestive system. (laughs) So the whole digestive system for Riley is really slow and sluggish because of her CP. So it all plays a part. So, you know, normally in the bowels, I want to say cholestasis, but I don't know if that's the right word. I'm trying to remember human bio back in like year 12. But like it's meant to (laughs) see, I just really need video. We're literally squeezing our hands when your poo moves through bowels. Is that um, the word? I think there so. There you go. I'm the nurse. I should yeah, know I think stuff. so. <laughs> you should know this. But that I think for Riley is really, it doesn't really happen because she's not strong. She's got that hypertonic diagnosis. Mm. And even just that you think of the, the muscles you need to use to push out a poo. To poo. Yeah. And sometimes her poo is... I don't know how it sits in there. I don't know how it sits in the rectum. How big it is. Because she's little. Mm. How big it is. I just, I I don't comprehend it. So no no wonder she doesn't want to push it out because by the time she does push it out, it's freaking huge. Yeah. And that's Um, not comfortable. No, it's not comfortable. But then it's not comfortable inside her because then she feels full so she doesn't eat Mm. and doesn't drink. Yep. Um, and she could lose 300 grams by doing a poo when she yeah. builds up like three, 400 grams. So yep. it makes a, a, lot. a huge it difference does. to her weight, especially yeah. when we go to medical appointments. They're like, jump on the scale. And she's 12.2. And I'm like, well, at home this morning, she was 11.6. Or the other day, she was like 11.6, but she hasn't pooed in three days. Yeah. So... You just, <laughs> whenever you go to the doctors, you're like, quick, hold your poo in, Riley, so we yeah, can get yeah. a good weight. <laughs> Get a good weight. No, but you never want to encourage her to hold her poo in. No, exactly. But it's Mm. traumatizing for her. Um, So I think it's part of the sensory thing as well that she doesn't. Mm. It doesn't feel right to. Doesn't feel right. Mm. Or like we're still again, we're still starting with. Don't know what it is, um, but yeah. No, we don't know what it is. When she's always kind of had it, but then sometimes when she's overwhelmed. So the time we're at the museum. She in the two hours we were there, she did seven explosive poos. Yeah, okay. So I think she was just overwhelmed and too much sensory mm. that she had to like let it out. Like, yeah, like I get a nervous bowel when I need yeah. to do something. It's, well, that's so, nervous poos. I asked it, asked you exactly. about it on your first podcast. Yeah, I did. I did do it. <laughs> no, you didn't. So I asked if you had. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. You did. <laughs> I probably needed to. Yeah, that's what you um, said. But I, yeah. <laughs> Oh, bless. But I think that's probably another thing when she gets overstimulated. Yeah, well, it makes it shows how how it affects your bodily functions. Hundred like percent. Like the things that you don't think about until you think about them. Yep. And it's, it's, it, it happens to us. Like we, I'm exactly the same. Nervous. Yep. Poo. Stressed. It's stress. All like, big stress. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But the opposite. If I'm stressed, I get blocked up. Yes, yeah, if I'm not upset. eating right or if I'm not drinking. Like it's just. Yep. It affects yeah. so much. Yeah. And your emotions affect your, yeah, all of it. Oh, everything, everything. Mm-hmm. So then what is it for Jack? Because he is still struggling yeah. through toilet training for the poo side, right? Just poo, yeah. So yep. Wheezy trained quite quickly. Um, and like I'm talking probably eight months ago. Yeah. yeah. Six to eight months ago, I reckon. 
um, and poo, he did do one poo on the potty when we were training. Obviously, big celebrations. At the time, never thought mm-hmm. we were like, this is great, this is the right step. This is awesome. That's all he ever did was the one. Um, and then he went, like his comprehension of needing to do, like he, knew, I think mm. he knew that he needed, like that was the next step was to pull on the potty. But um, he he knew enough to then start asking for a nappy when he needed to do to poo. Spoon. So he knows that he needs to poo. Definitely now, definitely. But it started with him doing one pull on the potty and whether that was a didn't feel right, like we said, like a sensory thing or whether it was a traumatic experience. I'm not sure if it hurt. Um, And now he relates that to pooing. Mm. But anyway, it's never, we've never gotten anywhere. hasn't progressed from there. No. And he's, like I said, now asks for a nappy or he just, I can tell, he jumps around holding it in. Yeah. If he doesn't have a nappy on, that is, he'll jump around holding it in, holding it in to the point that, like Riley, he gets constipated. Like that's how much yep. he will avoid pooing. Avoid doing it. Yeah. Um, even like in his pants, like he will avoid pooing in his pants. Like sometimes he'll get out the tiniest little skitties and he just jumps, mm. jumps, jumps around, pull, like trying to get it back in to the point that, yeah, we've he's been oh. on lactulose. Um, he's on lactulose anyway for his like because yep. he's on thicker. He just and he's on iron, <laughs> so mm-hmm. not a great combination. No, for pooing. not a great combination. Um, so he's just always been on that as a preventative. But um, the in the past couple of weeks, it's gotten even worse to the point that I'll notice that he won't ask for a nappy anymore. So I'll notice he's jumping around holding in a poo. So I'll put a nappy on him because I'm like, well, that's his comfort. That's just, like we yeah. were told, just just let him. Put, it's not go worth it, it at this stage. Yep. Just go with it. Um, He'll get there when he's ready. So now I just put a nappy on as soon as I see he needs to. But he's now doing it with his nappy on, the avoidance. Mm. So he's now jumping around, holding it in, even with a nappy. In. Does he have that, that that little skid mark or that little yep. bit that comes out? Riley has that little bit that's squished. Yep. And he and like, it's squished oh. in his bottom cheek. And yep. he'll go, I've done a poo, I've done a poo, change yep. a poo, change a poo. He cannot have it sitting there. And I look and I'm like, mate, there is literally nothing Nothing. There. You haven't done and a he, poo. No, like, and he, no. But he's like so obsessed. Of, like it's it's almost an obsession now, and it's like it's mm. sad because I think it's it's obviously something mental, emotional going on now um, yep. that he's relating to it. But I don't know how to help him. And he, so literally now, so I was so excited. We didn't, we you know, we're only buying a box of nappies every month. Oh, isn't it nice when you don't but have to now, buy a now because he's avoiding putting his nappy. He's literally doing the hardest little nuggies, nuggets, yeah, and going. I need to change, change my nappy. I've done a poo. I've done a poo. And he's doing that like seven times mm. throughout a day and he still isn't getting big poos out. Mum actually messaged me tonight. She's like, he's done a poo. He's done a big poo. Woo-hoo. <laughs> it's like celebrations. But for, for two days leading up to that, it's, it's just been in like seven different nappies. Like, so now I've just, res- <laughs> this is how raw I'm getting tonight. Because they're like rocks, I'm just picking mm, them out of the nappy so that I'm not yeah. wasting nappies. Because no, otherwise you're wasting a nappy, uh, especially if he hasn't weed in it as well. Like if there's nothing there, then. But this yeah. is the other funny thing about Jack is he will, if he's got a nappy on and he's feeling lazy, he'll just wee in the nappy, and that's not an mm. issue for him. Like why, if you're such, if it, if it doesn't feel right to poo, why are you happy to now wee in the nappy, even though you know and you, yeah. you wee in the potty? <laughs> it's just. And then leave yeah. that sitting there, though. Like, is that not a sensory? Well, he he does he does tend to come and ch- say, "Change my nappy, change my nappy." If he's got wet, yeah, he doesn't okay. like having a wet nappy on. So, but it's just yeah. the fact that he's lazy enough to go to oh, go. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. But that if it's oh, like if he's even got a speck of poo on his bum hole, he mm. 
change it. I need to be changed. Change me now. Change me now. Like he can't. Yeah. He can't cope with it. Poor thing. I hope he never has to listen to this podcast in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, kids. We love you. We love you. If anyone has any insight, please share. Yeah. See, Riley Riley would sit in it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, she will literally sit in a poo. And I'm like, have you done a poo? And it's like 50-50 sometimes. I want to say no, not 50-50. 80-30. 80-30. I can't even add. 80-20. Um... (laughs) She, 80% of the time, she was like, no, I haven't done a poo. And I'm like, you have. You're sitting there. How long have you sat there for? Um, and then other times she'll be like, yeah, I've done a poo, but it'll be that tiny little peanut butter paste-like yeah. thing that's squished yeah. between your cheeks. And it's like, that's not a proper poo. We have to put the thing up your bum if you don't do a proper yeah. poo. And then it, she just doesn't like it. But literally, if I don't – if if she doesn't tell me, like if I don't smell it, she won't tell me. And yeah. she was sitting in it all day. Yeah. All day. Yeah, right. Mm. And it's like, you stink, mate. Can I change your bum? No. Do you need a fresh mm. nappy? No. There's no, yeah, just like, meh, whatever. Um, yeah, gosh. And it's so true about like it's so much more common than we realise. And that's why I did mention this whole pooing stuff too. Jack's OT and she's like oh I think it's just it's just normal for that um for that age you know like just give him another six months and I think now that it's been another six months Mm. I'll bring it up with his peed um because I think think that that might give them a couple of red flags now um especially the way the point it's gotten to now um but for so long like it is boys especially I've heard have a lot more trouble with poos um so James didn't have a great poo experience either. Like experience. it took a bit longer for him with poo. So I just was sort of, but yeah, I think we're getting to a point where it's becoming, this was not, an, yeah, I don't think this was a, not this no. extreme. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I have given him time to sort of grow out, but we're just going the opposite way. We're going worse. Like, yeah. Like kind of regressing. Yeah. Not, yeah, definitely not making the right moves forward, but. But when I first, when, when we were first wee training and mm. I mentioned about how the poos were taking a lot longer and had so many people like pop into my inbox saying that it was it's so common. Obviously it does take longer for poos, but this whole thing about um, like, need, like asking for a nappy and needing to have a nappy on, apparently that's really quite common. Mm. And like to the point that lots of people offered the same advice. They said, put the nappy on him for a while, let him let it be. After a little while sit him on the toilet with the nappy on or on the potty with the nappy on, let him sit in that position, mm-hmm. like, in, that position. like on a potty or yep. on a toilet with the nappy on, just let him poo in the nappy for a while. After yep. that, cut a hole in the nappy so that they sit, oh, in, the, sit in the toilet or the potty. But and then that, when they get yep. up, they can you can celebrate that there's a poo in the potty or the toilet. But they've still got that nappy still on. Still got that sensory feeling yep. of safety or yep. comfort. Because um, I think that's what a lot of it is for for a lot of them is it's a se- safety sensory sort of I need to have something there. Yep. That's how it's always been. Um, and the last step, yeah, is to take the nappy completely off and they should be. And like lots of people said that they used that technique. So many people said they used that technique and it worked. Um, but we, I couldn't even get Jack to sit on the potty with a nappy on. I couldn't even get to that step. So, Does he sit on the potty now? Will for we wheeze. sit on the potty? Yeah, for, yeah. That's, he does all of his wheeze in the potty. 
and he's okay, obviously, in that position. Yeah. I, I, I honestly don't know what it is. For a long time I did think it was that he needed something like the nappy to pull into because that's that's how it's always been. That's what's comfortable. That's how but it, now yeah. that he's avoiding yeah. pooing full Even stop. That. Yeah. It's just, yeah. But I think it's be, it's because it's become such an issue. I think, you know, the more you yeah. focus on something yep. and, yeah, the more you try and fix something, sometimes it can go the opposite. You kind of mm-hmm. mm. find that anyway. a lot. See, Riley doesn't, the continent's nurse wanted her to get used to that position, like get the IKEA cheap potty because it's the best position yeah, okay. to be yeah. in. Yeah. Um instead of like the more fancier one that we did have um, that looks like the the toilet. Um, mm. But Riley doesn't even want to be in that position. She literally squeezes her legs together, like stand still, squeezes yeah. her legs together, stiff as a board, and the continence nurse is like, Riley, she did it a few times while we're in session. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is perfect timing. She's like, Riley, you need to bend over and bend down and do a little squat, like trying yeah. to get her comfortable. But yeah. she's like, nope, she tenses everything up, like stiff as a board. Even we're trying to change her nappy, like going to change her nappy, she's like a surfboard trying to carry yeah. her to the the change table. Is it uncomfortable? Like can she physically get into that position okay? Mm, she can. She can do it. Like she's obviously yeah. weaker. Like it's not. Um, yeah, but it's not painful or uncomfortable painful? to be in that. Not position. that I'm aware no. of. No, because she can squat down and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I don't it's know. She's really, really. It's really a, an avoidance thing for her. Like a she's, big avoidance. And even with when you said like picking her up and to change her nappy, if she stiffens up like oh, that, yeah, like she's a, almost like a stress response, isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah. Yeah. She literally is like a surfboard. So we have to like mm-hmm. chuck her under the arm or hold her, and her legs are dead straight. And there'll be that tiny mm. little nugget or whatever. Yeah. And it's so painful because after the the microlax um, enema, she literally sometimes is crying while she's doing her poo. Mm. Like she's standing there stiff-legged so because it's so hard. painful. Yeah. And yeah. it's like we just want you to understand that you need to drink water so you can poo better. But they won't yeah, have can't. to use they, this, they but they understand don't all of that. comprehend yeah. it all. Yeah. So it's so sad seeing her like cry and holding her down to put the enema in. Mm. Um, and it's not good long term. Like, what is it yeah. going to do to her long term? Like mentally, that my parents held me down. Yeah, well, and put this thing you up my do bum. What you got to do right now. <laughs> yeah, there's no other choice, is there? She needs to poo. She needs to poo exactly. <sighs> so I feel like she needs yeah. a big flush out. Because um, when mm. we did start with the nurse, she did a big with the Ducalax drops and stuff, she did a yeah. big flush out and so yeah. much poo came out. I was yeah. I was blown away about how much was actually sitting in her bowels. Yeah. And I think we've gotten back to that point where there's some are getting past that last turn, yeah, but it's yeah. um, but there's still it's some just up. kind of yeah. – it's backed up in that corner and a little bit's getting past um, yeah. and that can't be good for her long-term either. And that's the other thing with the gut. Like the, yeah, well, and not having that constant movement, that's not good for the, the bowel. No. Oh, all the things. Hmm. So much. Yeah, I didn't think I'd have a four-and-a-half-year-old still in nappies. And it's still no. probably going to be ongoing, which is fine because that's her journey. Um, but it's so hard. But it's a lot like for I you as a mum too. Yeah. Yeah, and having Hannah to compare to and now Macy, mm. like yeah. I'm just expecting Macy to be toilet trained before right Before, yeah. Just fully expecting it. Hey, at least yeah. NDIS pays for nappies when they turn five. So. 
Woohoo! That'll be covered yeah. very soon because it's expensive nappies and wipes. Yeah, well, yeah, and for the for years and years, gosh, it adds yep, up. They're in the same size nappy, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just sneaking extra for Macy sneaking when you've got yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, enough about poo. <laughs> I'm gonna. But <laughs> I like talking about poo. <laughs> So, yeah, let's talk about medical trauma. This is probably um, a little bit more my thing. God, we've I've been – so this is one of the reasons we first accessed OT. Um, but one of our listeners actually said, why is there next to no one um, who specialises in medical trauma therapy for very young kids? She said, my little one is autistic and extremely sensory avoidant. She needed high flow and it was, well, that's oxygen, obviously. And it was really upsetting her having it on her face. She can't handle anything on her face or her head. So they had to tightly bandage her hands to keep her from pulling it out. And she screamed until she was like a shell of a human, completely withdrawn. There was no other way to manage it. Obviously, she needed it with her sats dropping. Um, And they tried to sedate her too, but couldn't any longer because it made her desat even more. Um, But it all just felt so cruel. I'm sick of people telling us we're doing everything we can. It's a cop out to ignore medical trauma under the guise of comfort from a parent is enough. It's not enough. No one can just be comforted out of trauma, especially a child unable to verbalise what they went through yet. And apparently play therapists and child therapists don't work with kids under six. So I have a little bit of a story about this with accessing it for Jack. It is so true about there not being Mm. anyone. (laughs) Um, I've advocated really hard in this space for Jack since I reckon probably around 14 months when he had his first tune-up in hospital and was admitted for a pick line for two weeks. Um, So initially I was sort of referred through OT um, to an early childhood social worker who specialises in children's social and emotional development um, like in terms of trauma and I was so excited because I thought right I finally found like a needle mm. in the haystack and the right person to help um, but she basically just gave me a phone call and said that Jack seems to be coping well what? like coping like that's how he should he should just have to cope um, mm. and that we're already doing all the right things by comforting him holding him close and telling him he's safe in those moments and that's what this listener was saying like like that they think that the comfort from a parent is enough mm, but it's when not that's what you enough. would do anyway like any parent is going to do that in those moments but when maybe if it's once or twice but when your child is experiencing this frequently and consistently and I remember um this specialist said you're his safe place he knows that you're his safe place and I'm like but I'm not always his safe place in reality when he when I'm helping the doctors hold him down to take bloods um, yeah and he's bearing, his eyes are boring into my soul saying, help me, help me. He's oh. fearful and he's associating me with that moment. So that as I don't well. think, yep. yeah. And so from when I started thinking about it that way, I was like from that moment I actually made a decision to step aside from the medical procedures. So I used to be like, no, nah, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to sit out of the room while you guys do an IV. He needs, I need to be yeah. a safe spot. I've now actually yeah. done the opposite and I say, "Wow, depends on the situation blood tests and stuff where he's not actually an inpatient hospital I will you know you can't have to be there you have to hold them yeah <laughs> but if it's like in an in the emergency for instance they now sedate him every time and I say no I don't want to be associated with it I want him to I want him to come out of that room and then I'm there come to and you I'm not yeah yeah that's so interesting um so I've 
I've kind of separated myself as much as I can. It's not always possible. I mean, I, I literally do his needles for his therapy, um, yeah. his immunotherapy every week. So there's only so much I can do. But in the instances that I can control it, I, I mm. try and separate me. And then so things like with his needles, for example, this this specialist was saying that just telling him that he's safe um, and giving him cuddles and love. And it does help, obviously, but I just don't see how that's enough. It's not. Yeah. So then the OT was like, well, let's do a lot of play-based therapy, Um, Mm. you know, a lot of fun play to sort of, I guess, offset the trauma. And I was like, again, how how does me playing with my child like I would any other day of the week? Do they offset mean play trauma? like as in like play doctors and nurses and well, things so like then, that? Or yeah, so then they they didn't the OT at that stage, which was the one that I didn't think was probably mm. the right fit for us. Was just like coming around. <laughs> I should. I really hope that people don't listen to this. Coming around and like playing. Um, temper bowling with him I was like how I just how don't see that? how this is adding up it's not like playing relating throwing, anything yeah to I know, it. just and then so more recently we went and saw an actual child psychologist mm-hmm. um who I did a couple of sessions with but I got a very I got a very similar response in that Jack was coping really well and I'm grateful that Jack is coping very well like she was really impressed that he would just come into the room with her and play with her toys mm-hmm. and I was like does that just not show that he's resilient? Like, I don't think that that's a trophy he should wear. Oh, you've been through so much trauma. Look how well you're doing. Like, I don't know. I just, yeah. Jack is, does manage quite well considering everything he's been through, but I don't think that we should be writing it off as, oh, he's but like the fact that he can go into a room with a stranger. stranger. You're doing yeah, so well. Yeah, is that a good that thing that you can go into a room with a stranger? Like, Yeah, mm. I don't know. I'm like, has he just overcompensated so much that he – I almost worry sometimes, like, his response to some things now. I'm like, are we getting to the point where he's just like, this is normal? Like, and, again, that's not normal. No. <laughs> um, so, anyway, she did recommend – I did I did really – I did like this psychologist. psychologist um she recommended um so play therapy with hospitals nurses doctors um and our OT also did do a social story Mm -hmm. which is a book that talks about what he goes through how his how he responds to that like you know sometimes Jack has to go to the hospital and have needles and he feels scared and sad and his mum and dad feel scared and sad too but it needs to be done and afterwards Jack feels safe and loved and gives his mum and dad cuddles. And I absolutely love his social story. If anyone that's listening wants to see it or um, have some advice about putting one of them together, just get in touch I with me. I want advice for um, that. <laughs> yeah, I will show you. It is amazing and he loves reading it. And he's got his Billy Bear, which is his teddy, that has a peg mm-hmm. and it has that's cute. Um, spots on his legs where he can velcro spots where he can attach his what do we call his needles um so he plays with that all the time especially when we're about to do needles he'll get his billy bear out and give his billy bear the needles first um so it is it's definitely i think play therapy with that is specific to your child um and we do so much role play with doctors and hospitals now and we, he's got a little ambulance and his doctor's set and he absolutely loves it. So that was recommended by the psychologist, which I don't know why we didn't think of that earlier, but um, he's really responded to that. And even now I'll catch him just playing with his little toy cars and it's always like the ambulance mm. is taking 
someone to the hospital or like you can see him transitioning that now into his own imaginative play. So it definitely does make a difference. But there is just a huge lack of specialists in that area for young kids that can't comprehend what's going on, what has been what's going going on or why it's going on or how they should be responding to it. Again, from the therapist parent, I found a great, um, what do you call it, post, I guess, um, that she put up about medical trauma often triggers a fight, flight, freeze response um, for the child. And I think it's very similar. We were saying earlier, Grecian, it's very similar for us as the parents 100%. too. So it can look like fight, which is yelling, hitting, um, defiance, blaming and demands, or flight, which is avoiding, fidgeting, unfocused, hyperactive or procrastinating, and then freeze, which is obviously not responding, isolating, um, can't think and just blank, which I think I've seen all three of these in Jack on various occasions, even just walking into the hospital. Oh. I think he goes into an immediate, it's almost like a freeze because yep. he just doesn't know what he's there for. Yep. <laughs> um, Is it today? What are they going to do to me? Yeah. 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 And it's tricky to try and help help them through. I think that's one of the biggest things I've struggled with is the the trauma, medical trauma side of things and feeling like you just you just need to give them cuddles and kisses and that's going to be it and then it's going to be okay, but it's not at all. And I think as parents we need to access some sort of therapy for ourselves for that too. Yeah, because it's not nice putting your child through that and no. seeing them react like that. And then having people tell you that it's okay. <laughs> that it's okay and it needs to be done. It just doesn't make it any easier. Not at all. Mm. All right, I think we have chatted long enough right now about therapies we could keep going into yeah. it for another few hours but we yeah, won't it's been a real mixed off. bag actually actually tonight hasn't it it's, it's a bit of everything cool. yeah I hope you guys have got some insight into or nodding along a little bit with like it's been very much our stories but I hope I hope that we're not alone <laughs> no I don't think we will be yeah, someone I'd out there to, yeah, I'd love for your feedback on this one because it's obviously very specific details. We'd love to hear your things with your kids if you're willing to talk and um, open up about it. Yeah, Please share, definitely. Or if you've got any tips for us on some of the things. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we we're still very new into all of this, both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm always open. People always message saying, I don't know if you've tried this or I'm not trying to give you like unsolicited advice. And I'm like, no, tell me, like, I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm happy to try anything. Literally and even anything. when you're years down the track, you don't, you still don't know everything. Yeah. Yeah. There's always something to something new to learn. And like I said, that you finally feel like you figure something out and then bam, something else comes and smacks you in the face and you've got to figure that out. It's never ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Never. Yep. All right. So next week, um, who are we talking to? Grecian? Hayley, hopefully. Is that who we're talking to? <laughs> we've been yeah, we've been trying to talk to Hayley for a little while now, haven't we? It just keeps getting postponed. So Hayley, what's Hayley's story? Grecian, you know Hayley? Hayley from Hayley and the Boys IVF Miracles. She her journey through infertility and IVF is just phenomenal how long she stuck it out for. She did so many rounds of IVF to have her little miracles. 
Um, she mm. also has Liam, who has autism, ADHD, and epilepsy. So we're going to go into a lot of his story um, and how Haley parents through that because I know it is such a juggle, mm. especially now with two kids, plus juggling IVF when she was going through it. She's got yeah. a massive story to tell. Amazing. Looking forward to it. I don't know Haley. Haley's story at all. So I'm going to come in absolutely blind and I can't wait. I'm interested to learn and hear her story. Um, so another thing I wanted to touch on at the end of this episode was you will have heard that we have some ads in our episode. Yeah. I feel like we're, I feel like we've kind of moved up in the pod world. It's really exciting. Um, just wanted to put a little bit of a disclaimer here that we are very specific with who we're contacting and who we are choosing to um, work with for these ads, very specific to our audience, making sure they're small businesses as well. Yeah, just wanting to make sure that it's relatable for you guys and products that we've used and tested and recommend, I guess, because that's really important for us to keep with the theme of this podcast and being raw and real. And yeah, we truly 100% recommend the the products that we're talking about here. 100% um, definitely. Yeah. And we have used them. We know the small business. Um, yeah. It's not just going to be something that doesn't fit with our community. Exactly. Thanks, Grecian. No <laughs> you got the words out that I couldn't say. <laughs> the one, one thing tonight that I got out. <laughs> All right. And as always, give us some love, please. Please, love. please, please. Um, Rate and review. I think we get maybe one or two um, five stars each week, which is lovely to see. Slowly growing. Um, if you are with Apple Podcasts, you're the one group of people that can actually write a review and we would love to see some more there. Um, Apple Podcasts are the ones that sort of rate you in charts as well. So it would be really cool if we could see ourselves moving up the up the charts into the sort of kids and family charts and parenting charts we I think we got as high as like 50 number 50 that's amazing amazing. at one point yeah I'd love to get back up there that's I think rating and reviewing is a big way that you guys can help us get into other people's ears and to spread the word without having to physically share so takes a second of your time and we'd really appreciate it if you could do that because we are trying to grow we are that's the way we We are definitely yeah all right that is all from us. Long one. Maybe we'll split it into two episodes. Maybe. We'll see how <laughs> we'll we go. See. Yeah. Might have to be two episodes. But thank you for listening to us in your ears again this week. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. See ya.